Hey, good listener. This is Tori, one of your hosts for Wallowing in the Shallows. For various and sundry reasons, we changed the name of the podcast after we recorded this episode. You'll hear us refer to the podcast as Shallow Dive instead of Wallowing in the Shallows. We hope you enjoy the podcast in spite of our wee post-recording modification. And as they say, on with the show. Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in a Good Omens Season 1 rewatch. Hey, hello, peeps. Welcome back to Shallow Dive. This is Tori. And Rebecca. And we're talking about Good Omens Season 1, Episode 3, Hard Times. Yeah. I am in love with the opening sequence, which is almost a half an hour long. You know, so we true. don't even see the credits until I think it's like 28 minutes into the episode. Absolutely agreed. All of this back history mm-hmm. of our our lovely angel and demon and mm-hmm. all of these famous places that they were and the appearance of the bard himself. I was completely <laughs> enamored by the quote unquote intro, aka first half of this episode. Yeah. I was so happy to get the backstory of the bromance, right? The development of the bromance over the centuries. And yes. the things they picked were pretty were pretty interesting. And also ones that I think most people who regularly watch television and so forth would get the references. Mm-hmm. So really good. So I'm excited to talk about them. Me too. All right. Lay your summary on me. It is a little bit long, but, uh, you know, this was tough to make short, so I'll just go for it. Go for it. At the beginning of this episode, we get some history of Crawley and Aziraphale. I can never get his name right. (laughs) They were at the site of Noah's Ark before the flood, the crucifixion of Christ on opposite sides during the reign of King Arthur, helped each other out in Shakespeare's time, and Crawley saved Aziraphale from the guillotine after getting imprisoned in the Bastille during the French Revolution. In the mid-1800s, Crawley wants Aziraphale to get him holy water so that he can destroy himself if things go south. Aziraphale refuses, but after Crawley saves him yet again, this time from the Nazis, Aziraphale is softening. And in the 1960s, after Aziraphale gets wind that Crawley is planning a church heist for holy water, Aziraphale relents and gives him a thermos full of it. Back to the present, Aziraphale shoves some of his knowledge. Oh, (laughs) perhaps not shoves. (laughs) Aziraphale shares some of his knowledge about the misplaced Antichrist with his higher ups but he keeps some details to himself. Both Angel and Demon have the same human operative, Shadwell, and they both instruct him to go to Tadfield to find and watch Adam. Pulsifer also wants to go to Tadfield since it has strangely perfect weather, so Shadfield is happy to comply. Meanwhile, Adam and Anathema chat, Anathema sad about losing her book, and Adam eager to learn more about Anathema's occultist ways. He devours the magazine she gives him on the subject. Famine is is busy marketing foodless food, but is delivered a set of measuring scales and knows it is time for him to prepare to ride. But I can't wait to flesh out what happened in the first half of this episode. I really buzzed through the places that we saw them, but I have much more to say about each of these stops. Great. Let's get right into it then. But I'm going to start with my trivia question, which is so lame. It's super lame. Well... That's okay. I've got to try to remember if I even had a trivia question for this. Well, that's why mine is super lame, because as I was reviewing my notes, because I knew there was stuff that I wanted to look up, I thought, oh, crap, I totally forgot about looking for something for trivia. And so I went through my notes like three times. I said, oh, 
there's nothing in here that I want to ask for trivia, but we'll just go with this. So it's pretty lame. Okay. Well, I, I've just, I've just located it. I do have one. It's not great, but I I do have one for today. Okay. So, so my trivia question is which of the gates around the garden of Eden is Aziraphale supposed to be guarding? Aziraphale is the angel of the Eastern gate. Yeah. I knew you would get it. And I, but I was just like, I got nothing else. No problem. It made me wonder if there were other gates, if there were other angels guarding, but I feel like this is the only exit. I don't know. It does make it sound, though, that there's other gates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're let out in the gate of the rising sun. Yes. <laughs> they didn't and, call it that. I just called it that. <laughs> and God is curious about where that flaming sword is. That's a real <laughs> thorn in Aziraphale's side. <laughs> I wonder now where the flaming sword is, right? What ha- is it going down through Adam and Eve's descendants to the original hundred hundred percent Tori. I have thought the same thing. We've got to be on flaming sword watch because we know it was left with Adam and Eve. Right. And so I am very curious if it's going to show up this season, next th- season ever yeah. because they keep harping on it. Right. So it right. really would be interesting to find out or if, Adam did something stupid with it. I mean, it would just, it would be interesting to know the sword's fate. Yeah. It's got to come back at some point. Agreed. Hmm. All right. Cool. So that's all I have for the opening at the Garden of Eden. We Mm -hmm. quickly are whisked away to Mesopotamia, 3004 BC, Mm -hmm. where the Ark is getting filled. Mm -hmm. Loved, loved the crawly conscience again. Loved that he doesn't think too highly of drowning everybody, particularly the children. Mm-hmm. He was like, this sounds more like my lot. And just, I love that. I love the complexity of Crawley's ethics. Yes. And I, again, on Reddit, Reddit posts keep coming up when I'm doing my searches. This one mm-hmm. was written by Mary S. Smith, like four years ago, of course, when it originally aired. And she was talking about how Crawley really isn't a full-on demon, which he refers to when he says, I never really fell. I just sauntered vaguely downward, which I loved it. We talked about last episode, right? Or one of the episodes, because I know we've talked about that already. We definitely talked about, I I know he refers to it multiple times. One time he says, I, I can't remember if we've hit that line yet, but oh, okay. maybe we did already talk about it. But there are just several times that he refers to what happened. Right, right. And and so this Reddit user discusses how that sets Crowley apart or Crowley, whichever one we want to go with, right. uh, from the other demons. And so he's still enough of an angel. Yes. Which... Many of his actions do support that idea. 100%. I don't think that we even mentioned last episode we had the paintball, right? Right. And I don't, did we talk about how Crawley changed them to real weapons, but no one actually got hurt? There were all these miraculous saves. No, we didn't really talk about it. Uh, I think we, I don't remember what the context was of when we were talking about the paintball scene, but that we did not talk about. But that sure fits in with what yeah, you're saying. It does. Instead of just delighting in the humans killing each other, mm-hmm. he gives them the power to kill each other, raises the stakes, but then saves them from themselves. Right. Right. He's a complex character. Which I love. Yes. Loved the unicorn getting away. Why we don't <laughs> have unicorns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that until you said it. It was awesome. Oh, oh, he's getting away. Well, you still got one. <laughs> you know, they were saying that they're in Mesopotamia. And I thought, I guess Canaan is supposed to be in Mesopotamia. Because I think that's where Noah is at, right? Canaan? Hmm. I'm trying to remember back to my Sunday Bible studies, you know, when I had to go into well i called it church school i don't really think that's what it was called but oh i guess it was just called sunday school duh sure what's interesting did they ever refer they did refer to him as noah 
right? Yes. And his sons and children. Because I was going to say, certainly Christianity or the Bible isn't the only flood myth, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So I was wondering if maybe they went with another one and used a different location. But I, yeah, they called out Noah by name. Yeah. And they only named one of his sons, Shem, mm -hmm. which in, well, at least I think medieval Europe, they believed Shem was the ancestor of all Asian peoples. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. Just a little tidbit there. That one I, I did kind of remember. That I learned much later, and I didn't learn that in Sunday school. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. That seems a little beyond Sunday school scope. <laughs> yes. But I was curious about some stuff about the Ark, and I and in the process of looking up some information, I saw a archaeological announcement from October of 2021, and there were archaeologists from Istanbul University doing some geophysical work up in the uh, Mount Tender Tenderek or Tenderek. I cannot speak Turkish. I apologize for totally butchering that. And they think they found Noah's Ark because they found an anomaly that didn't seem natural. And it was the exact length as reported in the Bible for the Ark. In, cu in cubits? Yes. Because I think that's the measurement that it is, that it's yes. measured at. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so it's somewhere in eastern eastern Turkey. But geologists are like, no, it's just a natural formation. And I oh. didn't have time to see if there was any follow-up reports on it. But I thought that was kind of interesting. For sure. Yeah. I I did also like how, <laughs> I can't remember which one of them said, the whole world, no, no, I don't think, I don't think he's mad at China. And yeah. I don't think he's mad in Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like, no, or the Native kind of Americans. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, that was, kind of like, just yeah. this area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Good scenes. And then we're, we jump quite a ways yes. up in history to Golgotha, yes. to the crucifixion. Which, wow, the, the sort of shrieks and nailing was pretty oh, intense. Very much so. It was the most intense thing that has been on the show for yes. me. Now, I admit that I grew up in Catholic school, and so I was traumatized by the Stations of the Cross. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I have kind of a knee-jerk response to any sort of crucifixion thing that kind of goes back to childhood. But right. Ooh, it was it was one that usually I kind of pause regularly and rewind. And I was like, oh, I just I don't I don't want to rewind. I don't want to hear that again or see it again right, as well. Right. So they, I think they did a good job with it, I mm -hmm. guess I'm going to mm -hmm. kind of say, but maybe too good a job. It maybe <laughs> didn't need to be quite so good. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to to listen to. Yeah. And this and is when we, we find out. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're going to say the same thing I am. The change in the name. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. when we find out it's not Crawley anymore, but Crowley. And I say Crawley a lot. I'm going to try to say Crowley. I think I kind of jump back and forth. <laughs> I, I was like... wondering, does he go back? For some reason in the back of my mind, I think he goes back to Crawley at some point, but I might just be, I'm watching Supernatural and their name for the King of Hell at, at one point is Crawley. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I I don't know. But for some reason, in the back of my head, I think they go back to it. But that, again, might just be my supernatural influence sure. there. Well, I liked how Aziraphale asked when, when Crowley said he was changing his name. And Aziraphale was like, Asmodeus, Mephistopheles. <laughs> <laughs> and... I wasn't familiar with Asmodeus, definitely Mephistopheles yes. from the Faust, Dr. Faustus sure. or other. But Asmodeus, I did look up that uh, as a prince of demons in hell in Judeo-Islamic lore. Ah. I've maybe heard that name before, but it was certainly not a familiar devilly demon name to me right. the way Mephistopheles was. right. I like how the, they bring in all this lore. I 
love it. I absolutely, I mean, I, I totally get into the lore and I love looking this stuff up and I love kind of reminding myself of some mm -hmm. of the things I do know and mm -hmm. then adding layers when there right. were things that I'm like, well, that I didn't know. Right. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed as well. In fact, I did look up, I did think there was a place where the devil showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world. Right. And in the book of Matthew, the devil does do so by taking him really high up. And right. so just kind of interesting that we have the, I mean, this word, the devil, right? right? It's it's just kind of interesting to have Crowley take on some of these things that are attributed to the devil, right? And mm -hmm. not necessarily Lucifer himself. Right. And they, they both really had, both sides had empathy mm -hmm. for the man who was being crucified. They're like, you know, did you meet him? Seemed right. like a good guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And when he asked, like, what did Jesus do that upset everybody? And Azarephal's like, well, he said, be kind to each other. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> that will do it. What? Why should I have to be kind to people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing that did surprise me a little bit was it wasn't played up more about Jesus being the son of God or any, or him rising again, you know, all of mm -hmm. that was just kind of not, not touched upon in any way whatsoever. Which you would think would make this series not work, but it's, I don't want to upset anybody when I use this word, but it's superfluous to the story. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of amazing when you think about it. It really is, because that was the coming from Aziraphale's side, right? right. It, it, we could have seen some sort of role Aziraphale played, mm -hmm. and Crawley was maybe trying to thwart or whatever, but none of that, none of that was present. Yeah. And maybe it was not, again, this just was so focused on the two of their development of their relationship so since it's been six thousand years they've done tons of things independently and maybe glancing past each other but these were sort of some formative meetups yes yeah i wish we could see an in-depth series on this four thousand years right in the before christ was born would be really interesting to see all the things they got up to yes yes <laughs> But after Golgotha, we're up to Rome. Yes, Early I have very little. I have very little from this scene. What do you have? Well, the only thing that really, I don't have much either. The only thing that really caught my ear was salutaria. Yes. And I was like, is that real Latin? And it is. It means healthful. So when he's using it as a toast, it makes sense. Ah. And I did like when Crowley's like, oh, I just popped in for a quick temptation. <laughs> Yep. And they, they got the date right because they mentioned Petronius, but I did look it up and that's supposed to be Gaius Petronius Arbiter, who lived between AD 27 to 66 during Nero's reign. Nice. So yeah, there wasn't much in that scene. Okay. It was almost like, oh, I think we need one more thing. <laughs> yeah. To round this out. Can, let's just throw something else in there. Let's just <laughs> pop in Rome and have him have them wearing what are they called? Lariats or whatever around their heads? I think that's correct. Not positive. Maybe they just, maybe Sheen and Tennant just wanted to wear togas. I don't know. <laughs> Quite possible. Quite possible. <laughs> and with I, all the then, wine they drank, maybe going oh, back, you know, to yes. the, <laughs> the source. Yes. Well, actually, the source is Mesopotamia, first wine. Well, <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. But I think there's this picture of Roman upper class, right? The the elite of Roman society lounging about hmm. because they did eat laying down on their sides, right? They didn't sit ah. up at tables. And so, of course, that just always seems very gluttonous and, yes. and so forth. So I think maybe that's why that scene is kind of stuck in there because as we know, Azarafel really develops a liking for totally. the the gastronomy of Earth. <laughs> oh my gosh, so much so! But yeah, so then up to uh, England, or yes, five thirty-seven. 
back to Monty Python. <laughs> My arm's off. No, it isn't. Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Loved this. Mm-hmm. Loved, loved the mist. Loved Crawley being the Black Knight. Mm-hmm. And love them coming to the realization that they have been canceling each other out through the ages. Yes. Yeah. But Crowley does have my Crowley. Crowley. See, I Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. He does have my favorite line, I think, of this episode, which I'm here spreading foment. And I was like, man, yes. I wish I had a situation where I could use that. Maybe after some meeting at school or something, I'm like, I'm just here to spread foment. Love it. <laughs> Love it. No, that that was that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And a bit of a nihilistic or it, it, just a bit of a very human feeling of what do I do that matters? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just I just really liked that. And again, love this journey of them glancing into one another and coming to different understandings over the course of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the last I have from that scene. Yeah. I mean, they're all so quick. There's not, I think maybe a ton to say. Oh, I got a few things of them. in the next one. Oh, well, I, of course, but that's, <laughs> that's you and I, right? Let's talk Shakespeare. Let's do it. <laughs> So we jumped to 1601 in the Globe Theater for a little bit of Hamlet. And Crowley's opinion is probably shared by many people. This isn't one of the gloomy ones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, Crowley. It is one Mm -hmm. of the ultimate gloomy ones. (laughs) Loved that they had Burbage playing Hamlet. Yes, I, I was very happy that I got that reference. Yes. But I think the only reason I got that reference is because of the Shakespeare in Love movie, Mm -hmm. which I've seen a gazillion times. (laughs) Hey, however you come by the intel. (laughs) It's excellent. Yes. What line does Shakespeare steal from Crowley? So glad you asked. So Crowley says, age does not wither nor custom stale his infinite variety. And it's only minorly altered by Shakespeare in Antony and Cleopatra as age cannot wither her nor custom stale her infinite variety. So he steals it to write describing Cleopatra and Antony and Cleopatra is indeed written after Hamlet. Hamlet was written in about 1600, and right. we have popped into 1601, right. so this could be early on. And then Antony and Cleopatra is written in 1607, 1608-ish. Oh, so okay. it all fits with the timeline perfectly. Ah. And I love, I, that was such a beautiful little nugget that it's actually Crowley that has that lovely line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This Reddit post that I mentioned earlier, she posits that that's where Crowley got his first name from. Oh. Is because he realized Shakespeare got that line from him. Well, isn't that an interesting theory? Yeah. And we know that Crowley does have some definite future meddling with Shakespeare. We don't know how much more he meddles, Mm -hmm. but we know that he's the one that helps Hamlet become a big hit. Yes. Because that's part of their agreement. Agreement, right. Right. Now, did you have any theories about what was going on in Edinburgh that they were flipping for the job to do up there? In 1601? Mm Mm-hmm. If it had been an earlier time, I would have said it might have had something to do with, you know, William Wallace or something, but I'm not really sure. Let's see if we can find a quick timeline. I was just going to look up if it could be anything with Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, Well, isn't she dead by then? I'm not sure. Has Elizabeth already gone into, you know, you're absolutely right. She was dead by 1587. No, you're absolutely right. It's not to do with her. Well, let's see. 
in 1600. There's stuff going on with King James. In, in 1603 is when King James succeeds to the English throne. Oh, here we go. Ah, I bet this is what it's about. Okay, okay. There's, so in 1596, there's this little thing that says, clergy demand arms to defend king and church against papists. Mm. So clearly stuff going on between the Protestants and Catholics. Surprise, surprise. So it probably it, it has to be referring to to those troubles okay very cool well i'm so grateful for crowley's work to make (laughs) sure that hamlet (laughs) which is my second favorite shakespeare play what's your first one richard the third richard the third that's right Mm -hmm. but hamlet is a very close second okay i I knew i should have known that Mm -hmm. i remember it from now on sorry for some reason oh i know I have Gilligan written down in my notes, but that's just because on Gilligan's Island, they do Hamlet. Yes. But as a musical, which I believe believe sang a little bit. You sang a bit. Yeah. (laughs) You gave us a little, you gave a little, a little of Polonius's speech last time. (laughs) Liked it. Yeah. Okay. That's why I had it written down. I'm like, Gilligan, Gilligan. So we jump to the French, Viva la Revolution. (laughs) (laughs) And we we knew about this meeting previously, and I love that now we get to say it play see it play out because right. they referred to it earlier about yes. it was Crawley's turn. But really, they were at least even at this point because mm-hmm. Crawley totally saved Aziraphale's butt here. Oh, for sure, stupefied that Aziraphale came over to eat and drink stuff because it's yes. some french food <laughs> yes yes he just can't help himself and yeah. this so reminded me of i just read a tale of two cities in the past year so uh-huh. that is all about the french revolution right and it really reminded me of that there was definitely <laughs> the guillotine plays a big role in <laughs> A Tale of Two Cities. And there is a guillotine in the opening credits. Is there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I am going to, when we get to the opening credits, if we ever get there, I am <laughs> going to mention a few things that are recognizable by this time. Okay. All right. Well, we're slowly getting there. <laughs> we're slowly getting there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was funny. Also funny, love Crowley in this he's getting credit for the french revolution right from his people right he had nothing to do with yeah so again this benign force that might be and this is where the kind of loki-ish god of mischief kind of thing comes in Uh that is it truly evil or just you know temptation (laughs) the humans don't need him to make them do evil things right right i was just sitting here thinking that i think the scene is more telling about azarafel's character not character as a individual in this story but his moral character because Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be the angel yet he gives into his temptations it almost seems way more often right he's doing it all the time he and getting him taking the easy way out he's in trouble for performing frivolous miracles which seems like it's to get himself out of situations like this right right totally right and so we as the audience should be saying well really who is the bad one here is it really crowley yeah is it a xerophile yeah I would definitely say that Crowley wins the Examined Life Award. I think Crowley <laughs> definitely thinks more than Aziraphale does. Yes. So, but if he didn't, he probably wouldn't have sauntered down. <laughs> and I'm seeing that we are just about to hit that line. So that line does even come in in this episode. Okay. Good. Good. In, but we're in the very Saint, next scene the, in, at St. James Park in 1862. Exactly. Aziraphale has his bookshop now. Yeah, I've always wanted to own a bookshop. 
Oh, and Aziraphale's is a sight to be beheld. It is. But here's where I have written down. I didn't really fall. I just, you know, sauntered vaguely downward. (laughs) (laughs) So here we have the request for the holy water. Yeah, the suicide pill. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like Crowley's whole thing with the ducks. Ducks have ears. Do ducks have ears? Must do. That's why they hear the other ducks. That's how they hear the other ducks. Such a Crowley thing. And at some point, like what he he does the water off the duck's back. Mm-hmm. There's there's some point where he says that I can't I can't remember where it is, but yeah. he's, he, well, he can't remember water what off something water off yes. something, and then later in the later. episode you just hear him yell out of nowhere, ducks. Yes, yes. Which of course is Jinx Monsoon's mantra: water off a duck's back, water off a duck's back. <laughs> awesome. Jinx Monsoon, for those who may not know, is a drag queen who's actually becoming quite famous she's really working on her career and she's hysterically funny if you ever have a chance please go see her i think she's playing at the seattle rep this spring oh is she what's she gonna be doing do you know we're gonna have to look into that okay i know she and della are gonna be in seattle right around christmas for their annual christmas extravaganza nice yeah Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Just going back to the episode. Yeah. I was going to go off on a tangent on Jinx Monsoon (laughs) because I love me some Jinx. She's amazing. She's amazing. (laughs) Okay. But uh, now we jump to London 1941. Now we get that other prophet, Robert Nixon. Yes. That one that was with the other two. And we have good old Mr. Glazier and Mr. Harmony. And the the thing that I wrote down, isn't that Sherlock Holmes' brother when Benedict Cumberbatch played Sherlock? (laughs) Yes, it's Mark Gattis. Yes, so that was fun to see. (laughs) And the Holy Grail and the Spear of Destiny are mentioned. Now, of course, familiar with the Holy Grail. Not entirely sure how familiar I am with the Spear of Destiny, but wasn't didn't the Spear of Destiny show up in the Edward James Almos and Starbuck? What's that? What's that show? Battlestar Sci-fi Galactica. Show. Battlestar. Yes. Yes. The Battlestar Galactica. Isn't the Spear of Destiny in that? It's an arrow. Oh, never mind. Then I don't know what this Spear of Destiny is. Well, the Spear of Destiny, because I was like, well, you know, I don't think I know what that is either. Oh, good. And I just found a website. I don't know how. Well, take it with a grain of thought it's called compelling truth <laughs> mm. but they're probably on point with this spear destiny is a legend centering around the spear which pierced jesus's side during his crucifixion according to myth the spear of destiny was passed down through a line of kings after being found during the crusades it was said to have given many powerful rulers their authority i almost went into uh cartman when i re- was going to say that word you plus the respect. ability <laughs> Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Plus the ability to control their own destiny. It is sometimes called the Holy Lance and is considered a relic by the Roman Catholic Church. Sure. Again, part of my childhood scarring regarding the crucifixion. And you've just blocked it, right? You've put up the mental walls. No, no, the fresh. It's, 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 It's deep in, but I didn't know it was called the Spear of Destiny. But as soon as you said it was what? pierced christ after he was dead i definitely remembered that they speared him to check if the blood and water was separate to make sure that he was dead right right yeah so i i doubt i'm gonna forget the spear of destiny again (laughs) (laughs) just didn't know that that's what it was called yeah yeah i don't think they call it the spear of destiny in the bible (laughs) no i mean they just mention that you know a soldier spear or tests if jesus is alive using that spear and i don't think the bible ever mentions it again yeah it's one of those things that gained power through word basically right right Hmm. i liked the pseudonym that azarephal was using which i think says a lot about what he might be thinking about himself by this point in time did you catch his name let's see it's not it's not jumping out at me in my notes. So let me see if when you say it, I remember. Mr. Fell. Ah, okay. In 
interesting that you say this because I don't know if we've gotten a good look at the bookshop's name yet. Mm -hmm. But my guess is if we looked back through the tape, we probably would see it above the door. Right. His bookshop is called A.Z. Fell. Oh. oh. And I think the fell is, you know, right. Ariza Fell, you know. But I think you are adding the falling perhaps yes right yes that's what that makes me think of i didn't even attach it to a zero fell or because i think i've been saying a zero fail <laughs> yes and i think sometimes other people in the show pronounce in that but i do know that that is what his bookshop that's what's above the door of his bookshop because maybe a zero fell doesn't look too <laughs> right british right and maybe that's why they came up with that name maybe that's perhaps. why they're viewing it but I like the additional layer you're adding to it. Might be the wrong layer, but it makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mind wandered as it does when I'm thinking about specific things after the show. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that they brought in the Nazis' interest in the occult and so forth. And so I was doing a little bit of reading about the occult and Nazism. And I guess that's. The Thule, I don't know how to speak German, T-H-U-L-E, is that Thule or Thule or? Didn't study German. Where's Katie when we need her? Uh, no. So a lot of the Hyatts and the Nazi uh, government were part of the Thule Society, and which studied the mythological origins of the Aryan race. And mm-hmm. one of the things they said was <laughs> the Aryans were intentionally bred by interstellar deities. Whoa. And then they talk about a proto-Aryan race that lived on an island in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So they are claiming to be from Atlantis. And I was just like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I did not know about that part. I mean, I knew that Hitler was looking for the grail and... and uh, were they smoking? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. But anyways, I don't want to get too far off, but I thought it was interesting that they yeah. brought in the occult aspect of Nazism. Gave a nod to that. And at mm-hmm. this point, I have just decided that Crawley is a much better friend than a Xerophel. Mm-hmm. I mean, here Crawley is burning his feet on the <laughs> consecrated ground. I loved this. I loved this hopping around. I did I too. Just, it was hysterical. That was such a great performance by David Tennant. Mm-hmm. And he just, ow, ow, ow. and just again, Crawley shows up to save Aziraphel. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think it's a little, it's not one-sided, but Aziraphel has some ground to make up is all I'm saying. Yeah. And Crawley even saves the books Oh, I out know. of the bombing. I know. I know. It's just, it's such a delight. The unspoken love between the two of them. It's so true. And we get we get the full Anthony J. Crowley. I was kind of hoping the J did stand for something, but <laughs> at least at this point, no. <laughs> but the Reddit post I've been talking about in this episode thinks that Crowley's disappointed in Azarafel's lack of response to the name Anthony because he thinks he should get it and she thinks this all refers back to that shakespeare shakespeare yeah Ah. okay well that is the last i had for the world war ii era me too which brings us up to soho in 67 and where we get the first of shadwell as a young man yes do you think and this i had this written down for later but i can throw it up here now do you think shadwell was just in it you know because he worked for both Crowley and Aziraphale that he's just in it for the money or does he understand that he's kind of playing two sides off of one another it's a good question I don't know the answer to that I don't do you mean the whole witch hunting thing or just the playing off the two of them I was just thinking you know playing off the two of them okay because i do believe he takes the witch hunting thing incredibly seriously yes but the the not letting them know that 
he's working for the other and right. getting money from both of them and all that right. kind of thing. That that but you know, he does need money. Right. So <laughs> to run his living. witch hunting, his witch finder <laughs> operations. Exactly. <laughs> his witch finder dreams. Yeah. Yes. So hmm. yeah. I'm not sure. It's just something that popped into my head at some point. And I do have to admit that this is a place where finally Aziraphale does do something. Yeah. Right. Because it sounds like Aziraphale is afraid that even though it seems like Crawley is sending somebody else into the church, he thinks this is just far too dangerous a thing for Aziraphale to do. I mean, for Crowley to do. So he gives him the holy water in an adorable little thermos. (laughs) That was cute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that uh, brings us to the opening credits. Yes. Which means we're halfway through the episode. (laughs) But I just, I did think there there was a touching thing that Aziraphale said. He said, you go too fast for me, Crowley. And that I do buy. That Mm -hmm. it takes Aziraphale longer. And I can I can appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So the intro. Let me see. I I definitely do want to do a deep dive on the intro. Okay. At the end, maybe in the final episode. Okay. Things I noted at this point. Okay. The call box, the the little call box that we see in the 1960s. Uh-huh. The red call box, that shows up in the intro. Okay. We definitely see Crawley's black car. Right. At at this point, I noticed death on a horse with the arc in the background. Oh. And you you notice it's death because he's got a scythe. Oh. Scythe? How do you pronounce that? I usually say scythe. Scythe. And there is a duck in the procession. (laughs) And I think I already mentioned the spaceship from Adam's room. Right, right. And definitely we have heard them talk about the end of times and the water boiling and the kraken coming out right. from the ocean. It's definitely a kraken. Okay. And the hellhound and the guillotine. Okay. Is it the big hellhound or the little hellhound? It's the big hellhound. Okay. Yes. And I think that is all I want to say for now. Interesting. (laughs) I remember when I was sitting there watching this, I was so into the show that when the opening credits rolled, I was like, what? I had totally not even noticed that the opening credits credits hadn't even rolled yet. Yeah. Was amazing. And then, yeah, I was just like, that's fantastic. I can't believe we just had a half an hour Mm -hmm. of this beautiful uninterrupted history of Aziraphale and Crowley. Yes. And then the opening credits. Ugh. And to your point, it could have been a whole a whole series of just their escapades through yes. the 6,000 years. Yes. So good. Okay. So good. Well, anything you, you want to say about the opening credits or shall we move on to just, the yeah. episode proper? <laughs> yeah, let's just move on to Aziraphale's shop where he's practicing <laughs> informing Gabriel about what's happening. <laughs> hilarious but that's it was a pretty short scene yes but they do kind of they're kind of jumping back and forth between places fairly quickly i think in this episode yes yes and this is the cutest little hellhound ever (laughs) oh my gosh i love how the god voice says the hellhound is surprised at his current circumstances right before the armageddon (laughs) and i love when that orange tabby like smacks him (laughs) exactly gotta watch out for a ginger cat (laughs) yes that was great so let's see then we have anathema who is of course very upset about losing this book that Mm -hmm. her family has had for hundreds of years (laughs) sounds like something to do interesting that we hear from adam that he wrote a book about a pirate who was a detective but where a dinosaur comes out of a spaceship and fights cowboys (laughs) <laughs> I was like, interesting. But and... I mean, fortunately, that was before he became the Antichrist. Because aren't we starting to get into the anything he thinks about starts to come true? Oh my gosh, isn't that true? 
And he gets lots of ideas from these magazines that Anathema is about to give him. Yes. The new antiquarian. Yes. <laughs> so the dog is not too keen on going into the cottage, but he's still able to go in. So whatever the protection that Upside Down Horseshoe was supposed to grant, it didn't prevent either the Antichrist or the Hellhound from entering the house. Yeah. So much for that. Although they do talk about how a little bit of hell's powers burned away. Well, that's fair. Because of it. This is not foolproof. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then do we jump to Shadwell here? Yes. And Newton oh. sees his grand great, what is five great grandfather's hat? <laughs> yes. And that Shadwell has made up all the names of the members of the army. <laughs> it is every, his, his his imagination starts to wear very thin. <laughs> but I was a little slow on that. When they were talking about that, I was like, so none of those are real people? And I'm like, why did he do that? And then, of course, yeah. eventually I'm like, let's get, get paid. money. He wants money. Yep. <laughs> and Crowley's like, Crowley's like, I don't care. I don't, I don't need to see your records. The yeah. normal 250 pounds or whatever. Yeah. So... That's all I have from that meeting before we return back to Anathema and Adam. Mm -hmm. And interesting that Anathema cannot see Adam's aura. And I thought it was going to be because he didn't have one. Right. But it was amazing that it was just because it was so big. I assume indicating an incredible amount of influence or something like that. Did I miss something? I missed something. Where do we find out about his aura being that big? Oh, because right after this, God explains the reason Anathema couldn't see Adam's aura was the same reason that something like people in Central Central Park can't see Manhattan. And then it zooms out and the aura like takes up a Europe-sized space on the globe or something. Oh, okay. I remember that scene as you're explaining it. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at the time I was watching it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was so thank it. Thank you for explaining it. Sure. It makes sense. Yeah. In my yeah. defense, I was watching this. I think it was pretty late at night, you know, after <laughs> midnight. So <laughs> No old, worries. Uh, gray cells might not have been firing at 100%. I got you, girl. You got my back all the time with the deets. So I'm glad I, I can wonder, help with this one. I did wonder in Anathema's kind of lack of response to it, even if it was just too big to see or if she thought he didn't have one. Shouldn't mm-hmm. that have been some clue that there's something up with this kid? Definitely. Because she seems to see everybody else's just fine. Right. Right. And thank goodness Anathema has some good positive ideas. Mm-hmm. albeit some of them may be quirky because mm-hmm. they're about to all come true mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so my trivia question comes here all right. anathema gives adam some magazines right mm-hmm. okay can you tell me what is pictured on the first magazine oh uh, let's see no i don't know no i can't remember Okay, it is a giant kraken. Oh. And it kind of has a boat on top of its head. Oh. But yeah, I was thinking giant... it was a person's face, but yeah, well, way off. <laughs> what is, well, you're not that far off because when you look closely at it, it is exactly the kraken that is in the intro. Oh. And they really don't linger on it very long. But I slowed it down and looked at it, mm-hmm. and it is the same Kraken that we have in the intro. All right. Cool. So we get a, we're up in heaven now. Yes. And Aziraphale is just as bumbling as ever, trying mm-hmm. to reveal some information, but not being too effective. And Gabriel doesn't seem to care that the Antichrist nope. is missing, which nope. reminded me... Again, a little bit about Supernatural, because in that show, Supernatural spoiler coming up, okay, they eventually bring in angels into their mythology. And as they say frequently, angels are dicks. 
because they're actually that <laughs> we find out they want to bring on armageddon because they're tired of waiting for the final battle mm-hmm. and i, I kind of got that vibe from gabriel here i can i can see what you're saying for sure yeah. and i'm curious and i need to go do some more research on this because gabriel seems to be like the big honcho mm-hmm. and in my head that's always michael Mm, who's right there with them right but and yeah so i need to do a little bit more research into the archangels because i know they're not even the the highest order of angels i do know that okay that's a good that's a good idea get a little deeper on our angel lore i'll write a note okay where are we at now then then we have anathema using her pendulum and here's where we see her seeing everybody else's auras no problem then we're introduced to rp tyler of the neighborhood watch <laughs> <laughs> that actor looked familiar to me he does look familiar my next note is fatty spliffers references to weed but i don't know who said fatty spliffers maybe rp tyler <laughs> Fatty spliffers, I think, just mean really big joints. Yeah, yeah. I had to look up what a spliffer was for something else. I don't think it was this show. Well, I looked it up for this show. Oh, those Brits, they come up with some good uh, (laughs) pseudonyms for things. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So then do we jump to Newton? reading some stuff i have tadfields getting uncharacteristic snow for christmas the apple trees are having more fruit which i wondered was a call back to the original tree of knowledge mm-hmm. and yes this is where we find out shadwell is also a zero fails man <laughs> <laughs> and i was like shadfield's yeah. really lucky both missions are in the same the same adam young you know <laughs> yeah it, it's very clear from this scene that newton actually does have the witch finding skills that shadwell doesn't right so i find that interesting and which of course suggests that he inherited them from thou shalt not commit adultery percival pulsifer not percival (laughs) pulsifer i'm back to king arthur (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wonder if that's where that surname comes from because I do know that Pulsifer and Percival, as surnames, are related. But I wonder well, if those all kind of go back to that time of Saxon history, right? Not Anglo-Saxon. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll have to think about that a little bit more, too. Things now, to think about. When Newton mentions unusual weather patterns, mm-hmm. Shadwell mentions raining fish, and raining fish happen in the opening credits does it mm-hmm. i don't remember um I should... yep, you got you got so many things to look for in those opening credits so many things <laughs> wow and we find out that the unusual weather patterns are really just that in tadfield they always have the perfect weather for that time of year you know that's another supernatural kind of callback where <laughs> they in the first few seasons, well, I mean, it's throughout the whole thing, but they um, identify weather patterns as predicting where demons are going to be active. Oh, so I wonder if that's out there in demonology lore or something that the both both shows picked up on, or that if uh, they were just kind of riffing off of some supernatural, right? Huh. Absolutely, something else to ponder for a while yes yes because i of course have nothing else to do this summer (laughs) (laughs) nothing at all so brings us up to the next horseman right yes dr raymond sable which Mm -hmm. thanks to you mentioning what war's last name was Mm -hmm. we also get sable here alluding to the black color which should be famine's horse's color and so i definitely we definitely see the nod to the color Mm -hmm. with raymond sable he's Mm -hmm. wearing black sable is a black color all Mm -hmm. of this stuff yeah and his first name is even referring to a black colored bird Oh, I didn't know that. Raven. Oh my gosh, I thought it was Raymond. Oh, I thought it was Raven. Oh, I wrote, I, at least that's I'm, what my caption said. Oh, I am 
I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're absolutely right. I just went off my hearing and I have a grandpa whose name was Raymond. So <laughs> I think ah. that's where I went. So I will change that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's got to be Raven. Okay, very cool. Which also makes me wonder if I missed something about the last name of War. Right. Which started with a Z and it had a, a zing in it, I think. Zing, zing, ding, ding. Well, that was, oh, here we go. Nice. Where do I have her name written down? Carmen Zingiber. Mm. I'm going to dive into that and see if that refers to red in some other language. I'd love it if you did. I'll have to make myself a note to do that. Zingiber. <laughs> I'm going to go back through my notes and go, why are all these words just scribbled in odd places? <laughs> <laughs> love that famine is dealing in fake food. Yes called fast food yes called chow fast food fake food that Mm -hmm. may cause anal leakage oh that was really nasty (laughs) and and i don't know why this needed to be put in at all but the fact that elvis is working in the kitchen in the diner was amazing right because they're in iowa correct i believe that's correct i think they're in des moines yeah i caught elvis and for some reason, I, I just laughed, right? I'm like, oh, ha, ha, Elvis, Elvis impersonator. Well, yeah, I'm kind of assuming that. it's the real Elvis. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But so, we did. We yeah. only got a moment. That's yeah. That's uh, it's a weird thing. Yeah. And famine gets the scales mm-hmm. as indicated in Revelation. Yeah. International Express Man. Yes. I'm, I am loving these horsemen. I'm really liking how they're doing this. Yeah, it's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Crowley. so sad in the next scene when Aziraphale kind of breaks up with Crowley. <laughs> Terrible. Hate it. Mm-hmm. Do you think the, the writers are really kind of just pitching it as a bromance? Or do you think they really are trying to pitch it? as a, a a homosexual relationship between the two of them this is a really good question and i'm not sure maybe season two will reveal more. more on that how do you even comprehend the scale of knowing somebody for six thousand years right which i'm sure they knew each other before then because they were angels together right before then right but i think their friendship really formed after they both ended up having jobs on earth. I think so too. And so there definitely could be some sort of physical relationship, but what we definitely know is that they're indelibly bound to one another. Yes. And have a great affection for one another. Right. That Crawley seems to have a much better handle on than Aziraphale does. Yes. Yes. And that goes back to the examined life as well. I right. just think Crowley is deeper than Aziraphale. Well, sure, because Aziraphale is just trying to be the obedient angel. Yes. That's what he is basically bred and trained to do. Yes. And so yes. he's really fighting all that temptation that Crowley keeps throwing at him because mm-hmm. he is trying to be the obedient angel. Yeah. So yeah, I hated this. I hated this as well. Yeah. Have a nice doomsday, Siskel. (laughs) (laughs) He's great. He's great. (laughs) David Tennant is so perfect in this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't wait for season two. Yeah. See what happens. Okay. Well, any, anything more about the breakup? No, No, it was just a sad scene. So it was kind of funny that the real reason the Antichrist is against nuclear power is because it didn't bubble. Yeah. But we we get this whispering mm-hmm. that is happening mm-hmm. in Adam's head, which did not require either Xerophel or Crowley. Right. There are influences working on Adam that are completely independent of our yes. angel and demon. Yes. But so far, so far. It doesn't seem like Adam really wants bad things. He seems to be very influenced by these magazines that he was given, and Mm -hmm. he seems to want the world to be Mm -hmm. a better place. 
So the Antichrist is turning into just, you know, your regular average conspiracy theorist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so isn't that curious? Yeah. Yeah. And we're done with that episode. Oh, excellent. I loved it. My favorite so far. Agreed. Just because of the backstory piece. And I know Agreed. I already said it, but I could totally watch a series just about their relationship over time undoubtedly i'm envisioning it in my head it would be so awesome <laughs> i think david Tennant and is it michael sheen yes what's yeah i think they'd be up for i think they'd be down i think they really like working <laughs> together well and those characters are so rich they have to be a blast to play yeah well we have come to the end of episode three so that i think that means we're halfway we are halfway. Three more episodes to go. Nice. Very excited. I'm so glad you all joined us for today's app. So all we got to do is say bye. Thanks for listening. Wallowing in the Shallows is created and produced by the both of us. Edited by Mo. Wallowing in the Shallows Good Omen Season 1 Rewatch soundtrack is Waltz Number 2 from the Jazz Suite Number 2 by Dmitry Shostakovich on archive.org. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe. And then subscribe. And then subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.